0: this show is part of the
1: headstuff podcast network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today is Fiona Ferris, the Deputy CEO of As I Am, Ireland's National Autism Charity. I get asked a lot in my DMs on Instagram, "What should like my child has just been diagnosed as autistic?" I I don't know what to do. Where do I go next? And I consistently send them to as I am. So I thought it would be good to have a podcast that they could listen to first to calm them because it feels like a very big thing when they get this diagnosis. So here we are. Welcome to the studio, Fiona.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So I don't know if it's useful to start with what is autism, because I guess once a child is diagnosed. Well, no, it probably is because sometimes people think that it's... uh, something that it's not. So do you want to tell us what it is?
0: Yeah, I suppose. And it's quite a big thing to try and understand as well, especially when you've just received a diagnosis. There's a lot of pressure on you to understand everything really quickly when in fact there are some people who have been part of the autism world for a very long time who would still find it difficult to explain what autism is. I suppose... In As I Am, the way in which we describe autism is that it's a complex, invisible condition that a person is born with. So it's not something that develops at any time. It's something that is actually present from birth. It's a neurodevelopmental condition, which means that the way a person interacts, understands and communicates with other people and the world around them is different to those who are not autistic. It's often described as a spectrum, which, again, is very vague language. But all that really means is it impacts everybody completely differently, at different times, in different situations, at different parts of the day, in different scenarios. And what we really try to communicate here is that autism is a difference. It's a different way of experiencing the world around you. And when I say different, different to what we usually expect of people. It's not a deficit. It's not an incapacity. There's actually a lot of strengths that are associated with autism. However, when you're just faced with the diagnosis Um, For the first time, particularly when it's your child and it's very daunting and confusing, sometimes we tend to focus on the things that are a bit scarier or the fears that we, we might have for our children. And I think that's only natural.
1: I see a lot of people pushing back. When I talk about being autistic, people push back and say... Like, yeah, well, my child, they aren't yet potty trained and they're seven and they find this difficult and that difficult. So it's really disingenuous of you to say that it's not a negative because it is negative. And, you know, my life is ruined because my child is autistic. What am I supposed to say to that? Like,
0: yeah, That is very, very difficult uh, to hear, especially when you are autistic and you're aware of your own challenges. And you know that perhaps the way in which you come across to people isn't reflective of your daily experiences. So what I would say to people, first and foremost, is you can never judge a person's, either their their potential or their challenges based on a snapshot of what mm-hmm. you're seeing of that person. You don't know the amount of time and effort that goes into being able to come across that way. But what I would say is every autistic person is entirely different. And that's that's true like from the absolute get-go. So by you trying to be more representative and getting out there in the media and speaking about your own experiences of autism, you're not saying every autistic person experiences the world in the way I do. There are, there's a very broad range of support needs that autistic people will experience and no two autistic people will have the same combination. But what autistic adults, I suppose, can bring to the conversation is what they find helpful or what would be helpful, or insights into how we experience the world. So that could potentially help perhaps a child who's pre-verbal or non-speaking could help parents understand how they might experience the world. But it can, of course, be very challenging for parents at the beginning because there's very few supports, there's very little understanding surrounding autism. Autism itself isn't a negative, but there are lots of challenges because of the lack of support that's still available for autistic people in society.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's very fair. Like when people say like, oh, it's a disability. It's like it's disability because the way society is organised means that we are disabled by those decisions that are made. That's you know? exactly it. I think that in and of itself, it's not.
0: And there, of course, are some adults who would argue that it's not a disability. It's a, a different type of ability or we're not saying that autism isn't a disability, autism is a disability and that's important to acknowledge that because with it being I suppose protected as a disability under the Equal Status Act and under the Disability Act that comes with certain obligations from the state and from the government to support and protect autistic people Mm -hmm. so by saying it's a disability we're not saying that a person has any less capacity or is any less intelligent, what we're saying is this comes alongside a combination of supports that an autistic person is entitled to, sometimes above and beyond that of their peers. That's not a negative thing. The disability comes from, as you say, being disabled by society. Everything around us, all of the barriers that exist surrounding us is what is disabling us, not the autism.
1: And so sometimes people will say to me like, oh, I have Asperger's Mm -hmm. or my child is... Um, I know you have autism, but you're very high functioning. My child isn't high functioning and um, you have Asperger's, but my child is autistic. Or they'll come to me and say, my child has just been diagnosed with level three autism and I don't know anything about levels. What is this sort of, what are these differentiations?
0: Yeah, so it's really complicated to understand at the beginning because the way in which the diagnostic model has Evolved over time. So before 2013, we were operating under the dsm 4 which was the, the model previous to the current diagnostic model.
1: So the DSM is, it's basically a book which has the rules in it for what you need to meet, the criteria you need to meet to be diagnosed with various different illnesses and and autism is one of them.
0: Yeah, autism. So... There are, of course, mental health conditions, there are disabilities, there are intellectual disabilities, but there's also neurodevelopmental conditions that would be part of the DSM, which stands for the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which of course is awful language, but we're not clinicians, so (laughs) we're not taking the blame for that. But yeah, sorry, back to the point. The DSM 4, if you had received a diagnosis of autism up until 2013, you would have been placed into what I call a subcategory of autism. So Within those subcategories, there was Asperger's syndrome, there was Rett syndrome, childhood disintegrative disorder, classic autism and PDD-NOS, which stands for pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified, which I always call the miscellaneous pile. <laughs> Basically, if oh you met gosh. the criteria and they, this is where most girls actually got placed because of how unfavourable the, the diagnostic criteria is for girls. Um, but Asperger's syndrome was part of the autism spectrum until 2013 they revised the dsm in 2013 to become the dsm-5 which is the model we currently operate under when they revised this what they did was take all of those subcategories away and just put everything under one overarching diagnosis of autism spectrum Mm -hmm. so how they now differentiate I suppose, where you are in the spectrum, it, it's moved away from that conversation of oh, where are you? Are you mild? Are you high functioning? And I'll come back to that in a minute because that's a bit of a bugbear, as I'm sure it is for you. Yeah. But now how they differentiate it is by the level of support required. Level one, level two and level three. Level one means requiring support. Level three is requiring very substantial levels of support. Okay. And I think this was positive, a, a positive move because it... Moved away from the Like I said Where are you on the spectrum To what support does Everybody else need to provide To this person Mm -hmm. Onus is now on everybody Surrounding the individual
1: I also like that it starts At level one Which acknowledges that No matter where you are In the spectrum You're on the spectrum And therefore you require support Absolutely Level one And then if it's higher support can you move through the levels within your lifetime
0: absolutely they're not static so i, I would think often... i moved through the levels yesterday i'll talk about that <laughs> another time really I had a yeah time i can totally relate to that um i think yes you absolutely can and that's the thing about the levels is they're not static because hum- as human beings we aren't static our support needs change all the time so a child perhaps who's diagnosed at the age of three of course, is going to have higher support needs than because maybe a child. who. three-year-olds have who, higher support needs yes, than 10-year-olds. they have communication needs, they have sensory needs, they have toileting needs, just as any other three-year-old would have. But of course, they're still learning to regulate. They're still learning to understand themselves. Their motor skills are still developing. There's going to be a higher level of support required for a child, perhaps at the age of three, than a child who's diagnosed at the age of 16. Now, that is just a very narrow view on how those support levels work but they are dynamic they can change all of the time but of course you'd need to be reassessed in order to have that re-identified.
1: Is it possible this is sort of a side question but is it possible to meet the criteria for autism at some point in your life and then not meet it like can you if it's something that you're born with can you grow out of being autistic by not? No. No.
0: If you've been diagnosed as autistic you have gone through quite a rigorous... By a trained psychologist, not an online... Yes, exactly. Um, Although self-idea is a thing. Self-idea is valid. um, But of course, if you have received a diagnosis, and I know some people don't like the term diagnosis, but it is important to recognise that in order to have received a diagnosis of autism, you have had to meet uh, a series of criteria that identifies that your life is impacted on a day-to-day basis in a range of different areas. Those areas are communication, sensory processing, social interaction, social imagination and repetitive and restrictive behaviours. So you're not going to meet the criteria and all of those that impact your life on a day-to-day basis and then at some stage in your life Never oh, be impacted. Yes. And if I'm that sorry. was the case, you would never have been autistic to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not easy to be diagnosed with autism.
1: Just taking a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial. Rockwell Wealth Management are proud supporters of women in business. They support this podcast. They support me and they want to support you too. They have a free consultation for Basically listeners. This is the offer. You contact them. You tell them that you listen to the Basically podcast and they will give you a free one-to-one consultation to help you with your wealth management or any financial advice you need we all know neck and back pain can be so debilitating the good news is the vast majority of spinal problems can be treated successfully by regaining movement flexibility and strength whether you have an existing condition or a recent injury matter private has centers of excellence for spinal care in dublin cork and limerick to provide you with comprehensive diagnosis treatment surgery and rehabilitation With daily clinics in five locations, it means you can access the expert spine care that you need without having far to travel, no matter where you live. Making the right move is important. And when you have neck or back pain, you want to be treated by Ireland's leading spine experts. You want a team who can look after everything spinal from the straightforward to the most complex conditions. For everything spinal, visit matterprivate.ie to find out more. Hi, I'm comedian Grace Mulvey. And I'm Connor Dell. We host the comedy podcast FADCAP all about the craziness of fad
0: diets and diet culture. We discuss diets we have done ourselves which disclaimer is every single one of them. And none of them work. None of them work. We also talk about different aspects of diet culture such as the diets of the Marvel Universe. How do those superheroes get those
1: beautiful pecs? I mean I think it might actually be (coughs) staring. I mean. (coughs) (coughs) Something I caught in your throat there Connor. Yeah sorry. We also talk about the revolutionary weight loss drug Ozempic which apparently all the celebs are on.
0: Is the 10,000 Steps based inside? Or a marketing claim?
1: Marketing. It's a marketing claim. Definitely marketing.
0: Also, you can listen to Fad Camp wherever you find your podcast. So that could be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Grinder, who knows. We also have brilliant bonus content that you can listen to on Headstuff Plus.
1: I actually have a lot of people messaging me who went forward for diagnosis when I shared mine. And some are coming back and they are autistic, but others are coming back and they're not meeting the criteria and they're nearly. More sort of lost than of the course. ones who are like, "Oh, I'm autistic. That's what it was all along." Okay, so I'm gonna move on to the questions for people who may recently have received a diagnosis for themselves or their child. Um, so I know you say that uh, every person on the spectrum is different, and actually, every person can be different on different days on the spectrum. But are there general characteristics that we can say are common or general supports? that are common, even though everyone's needs are different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because in order, as we just said, in order to have received a diagnosis, you have to meet criteria in certain areas. So those are, as I mentioned, communication, sensory processing, social imagination, social interaction and repetitive and restrictive behaviours. Every autistic person is going to have differences within those areas and therefore support requirements in those areas. So say for communication. We know that a lot of autistic people are non-verbal or non-speaking. They may not use language to communicate. They may communicate using a device or using love. uh, There's uh, hundreds of different means of communication and uh, speaking isn't communication. Speaking is just one form. Um, Even if you can speak, you may be a very literal interpreter. You may find it difficult to get jokes or sarcasm or read facial expression. You know, there's a lot about communication that's nothing to do with the words that we say everything that surrounds it. So autistic people can find it sometimes more difficult to process all of that on top of everything else. For social interaction, I always say, you know, you really don't need to be autistic to find this tough, especially after COVID. Like all we were hearing was social hangover. You know, you're suddenly thrown out of isolation into meeting friends for coffee and going on nights out. And it wasn't people's normality anymore. But for autistic people, it's never really your normality. I can take a lot of effort and a lot of energy to do the things that everybody else takes for granted. Yeah,
1: because you have the same goal, like you want to have friends and you want to have, you know, a community. And then you notice that the things that people do in order to maintain friendships and have friends and, and have a community. They're really difficult things to do and they're for neurotypical people, but, but yeah. you do them because you want the outcome of the friends, but it comes at a huge cost. Well I'm speaking personally It comes at a huge cost That sort of socialising
0: Yeah I experience the same thing And I think for me One of the biggest difficulties With social interaction and socialising Is the lack of predictability Mm -hmm. Like I need to know in a lot of instances What to expect And there's rules that nobody ever tells you Everybody else seems to know what they are But you don't know Like are you supposed to you know, talk to a certain person or do you ignore them and wave at them? What's our relationship here? Are you going to stand too close to me? Are you going to be able to uh, can I smell off your clothes what you just ate? Like there's so many little pieces that actually have a massive impact on whether you can enjoy it mm-hmm. the same way as everybody else. And again, that's going to be different person to person. But social interaction is definitely more complex for autistic people. But that doesn't mean that we're unsociable. Yes. We're definitely not. Um, we just find it a little bit harder Um, Sensory processing is, God, it's so broad and it's so complex and it totally contradicts itself at times as well. You could be oversensitive to some things, like you might not like touch or smells, you might find lights too bright or noises too loud. Or you could be at the other end of the sensory spectrum and be hyposensitive, where you like lots of that input. You like deep pressure, you like strong smells and tastes. You might hold bright lights up close to your face to give you that input and everybody will have their own unique combination of those things. Yeah. And that, again, makes it more difficult for people to understand
1: because. Yeah, I think if there was one rule like this is what autism is and this is what you have to do to help people, it would be fine. But the fact that everyone is different, so you can not kind of make general assumptions, it's quite difficult for neurotypical people to support, even if they want to be kind of allies and to be, you know. Helpful.
0: Yeah, that's a. I mean, we're we're always saying autistic people, you know, they're all entire. We are all entirely different, and then that confuses people as to well, how do we support you then? Mm-hmm. Just the same as you would support any other individual is consult with them. Ask a question. What do you yeah. need from me, or as a parent to the child, what can I do to support your child, make life a little bit easier, you know?
1: And so on. That what supports are available to people once their child. Let's go with the child because the supports for adults are really non-existent at the moment but what are the supports available to parents once their child receives a diagnosis of autism?
0: So when you say supports do you mean therapeutic supports do you mean financial supports? I just mean
1: yeah either or anything like so your child is diagnosed as autistic what now?
0: Yeah and that is probably the biggest question like the one that we get asked the most because so much of your energy and your time and your resources and let's be honest finances have gone into receiving the diagnosis. It's such a taxing journey and you expect that when you get there and you have that report that everything will be okay and then you realise am i I've just been plunged into this world that I don't understand. There's all these letters and acronyms being thrown around that don't make sense to me. What do I do? And often people resort to Google and that can be a scary place especially when there's lots of negative language and deficit-based views on autism, some harmful therapies being recommended. So... What I would do is first of all focus on the report that you've received because the report will outline support recommendations, even if they cannot be provided by the person who's assessed or who's diagnosed, they will outline what th- your child needs. Okay. What is specific to them.
1: What might those be like occupational therapy, exactly. speaking line? Yeah, okay.
0: So the the key ones are psychological services. Um, understanding your child's development, of course, what they need in order to to meet their developmental goals. But then there's always there's there's speech and language as well to assist your child with communication needs, whatever they might be. Again, individual child to child, occupational therapy can help with sensory regulation, motor skills, motor coordination. Some children might need physiotherapy, um, as a result of perhaps under refined muscle tone or motor skills. Um, those would be. the the key ones but of course there can be additional ones based on a child's individual profile Mm -hmm. and some might have co-occurring conditions or co-occurring diagnosis for example.
1: And so are you put on a waiting list, a public waiting list to get these?
0: You would be. There's a misunderstanding I think or a misconception sometimes that once you receive a diagnosis you're going to receive services from the state but there is no obligation on the state at present to provide services To a child following a diagnosis, it's just to actually identify that the child meets the criteria. Um, So that is a bit of a difficult situation, but it's also exacerbated by the fact that it's incredibly difficult to access a public diagnosis. So even if you've accessed a private diagnosis or a private assessment, that places an additional barrier to getting into the public system or the public waiting list to receive therapeutic supports. Um, because they haven't been carried out by the HSE, but that doesn't mean that they're
1: invalid. And so if so, are a lot of parents saying, okay, so this report says they need SL, t- speech and language therapy and occupational therapy. I'm going to organise for them to get on a waiting list. How long are those waiting lists and do they therefore go privately and are those waiting lists less long?
0: So there's a, a number of pieces to that. In order to get on a waiting list, you would have to go through... The public system, perhaps your public health nurse, go to your GP. Um, if you're part of a team within the local health office, you need to discuss with them getting onto a waiting list for whatever service it is mm-hmm. um, that has been identified as a priority for your child. The waiting list vary from area to area because each area of Ireland operates independently of each other. Mm-hmm. So the waiting lists are different, say, from Cork to Dublin. They'd be entirely different. And in fact, I think Cork is one of the worst waiting lists in Ireland at the moment. Perhaps if you went more rurally, they could be shorter, but they could also be longer. And that's the thing. There is no standardised set of waiting lists. It is entirely different area to area. Privately, you can access those supports. You're going to have to pay for them, unfortunately. But because of the waiting lists that exist within the public system, there are also now waiting lists for private therapies or supports because of the sheer volume of people who are demanding them. Uh, so you're going to face waiting lists. Unfortunately either way. And privately. is sometimes the only viable route. For parents at the moment.
1: Are there any financial supports. Because I know it's not a cheap. Like to f- to have a weekly. You know it's not that you need one session. Of speech and language. Or one yeah. occupational. It's generally a weekly thing. F- you know for a number. For, I don't know for how long. Depending on the child. Um, are there any financial supports. For parents once their child. Has a diagnosis of autism.
0: There are, there are a range of financial supports. So I suppose the one to start with is carers' allowance. A carers' allowance is means-tested, so you would need to satisfy a means test. Um, it is a, a weekly payment that is paid to the primary carer, as in the person who's living, uh, with the person who requires the support. That is something that can be applied for. There's also domiciliary care allowance, which is a monthly non-means-tested payment. I think it's around... Just over three hundred euro a month. Uh, I think might have changed. Used to be three hundred nine, but I need to double check that. And all this information, of course, is on Citizens Information or Department of Social. And what is domiciliary
1: care? It's if you have someone living with you who doesn't have independence.
0: Exactly. It's if you have a child whose needs are substantially in excess of another child of the same age. Okay. Um, you don't actually need to have a diagnosis. In order to receive domiciliary care allowance, but it is notably incredibly difficult to get this allowance. Often has to be appealed and reviewed many times before parents will get it. Um, but it is non-means tested, and if you satisfy uh, the criteria for domiciliary care allowance, first of all, your child needs to be under the age of 16, so it's in lieu of a child, not of an adult. Um, but you will also satisfy the conditions then of a yearly grant, which is called a care support grant which is 1,850 paid out every June to, again, the, the recipient of the Domiciliary Care allowance, uh-huh. non-means tested. Um, if your child is over the age of 16, the there is disability allowance that they may be entitled to. In order to satisfy the criteria for that, they would need to be seen as substantially restricted uh, in being able to work either part-time or full-time. I believe you can work part-time a certain number of hours with disability allowance, You can't work full time. That is means tested as well. There's a few others. So there's the incapacitated tax credit. That is, again, if you're a carer or a parent of a child who meets the criteria of of what we've just discussed, there is a tax credit that you can avail of. Um, There's a home carers tax credit as well. That's if one parent has to leave work and stay at home to care for a child. There is a tax allowance there. This is for a married or civil partnership. Okay, um, if so you're, if
1: you're staying at home, the partner who works, they get a tax break because you're not earning. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: If, you're, if your tax is dual assessed um, as a married or civil partnership a couple, you would be able to avail of that if one of the parents needs to stay at home to care. There's also a couple of other things which aren't really availed of as frequently, which would be like VAT on appliances or assistance devices for a child with a physical or sensory disability or intellectual disability. And there's also housing adaptation grants for children of similar needs. Um, not so as with common. the VAT
1: say you bought a sensory chair like some sort of something for the child, You, how do you do you apply to revenue to get the VAT yes. back? Yes, oh. so the
0: details yeah. would be on revenue and it has to be for the sole use of the child sure. with the disability. Also things like reading devices or AAC, um, anything that a child may require in order to receive their education. education. Yeah, so those would be the kind of things you'd be eligible to get VAT back
1: on. Are there supports then for the parents? You know, like... Not financial supports, but we know that occupation therapy, speech and language therapy, but often having a child, you end up becoming an advocate. You know, it it puts you in a role that you weren't expecting to be in. Is there any support for parents there?
0: I would love to have a nicer answer to this, um, but the answer is no. There is not any publicly available supports for parents and it is an incredibly stressful time. As much as I believe that autism is a strength, autism is you know something that can present you with many opportunities and many uh, amazing ways of viewing the world. For parents, particularly of young children, it is stressful. It's difficult. There's financial pressure. Uh, you may have had to leave your job. You may have difficulty in accessing school places for your children. So it is a stressful time. Can create high levels of anxiety. Can actually put parents into financial difficulty with you know financing supports for their children. However, as I am does provide family support. We do have a family support service which reaches both the children in terms of groups, social groups, based on interests, teenagers, but also for parents as well, opportunities to come together and to have the support of other parents in a similar situation. Uh, because that's sometimes you really need somebody who gets it, mm-hmm. who is in the same situation as you and just knows what is going on with you and the right things to say and the wrong things to say as well which we encounter a lot but publicly there are no supports but I would say um, a lot of parents do realise that there can be support within the local community through uh, support groups. Uh, They differ from community to community and it's a great way of having that network of other people who can maybe answer the questions that sometimes you can't get answers it's for you've been, been through the same Google. thing. Yeah. It is definitely better not <laughs> to do Let's
1: before we finish, let's talk about the high functioning and low functioning. And also let's talk about the um yeah, I guess how as I am can support you were saying they're the family and child, but is that just online or are there local groups can people meet in person?
0: Yeah, so we'll look at the the high functioning, low functioning piece first, and I think this is a misunderstanding of what the spectrum means. Mm-hmm. Often, if I'm given a talk or something, I'd say, "Okay, who here's heard of autism?" Everybody put their hand puts their hand up. Who here knows somebody who's autistic? Everybody keeps their hand up because you know we all know somebody who's autistic. But who'll tell me what autism is? And nobody leaves their hand up. And then there'll be somebody who says, "Well, it's a spectrum." It's like, "Yep, yeah, it is. That is correct. What does that mean?" And it's kind of a safe answer that people give. And then there's that kind of, well, it means that some people are very high functioning and some people are low functioning. And that is not what a spectrum is. It doesn't work in that linear way. It doesn't go from a little bit autistic to very autistic. And sometimes if, you know, I'm like I just said, if I'm given a talk, there might be a a a perception, sorry, that um, I might be very mildly autistic and I'm just like, well, no, like I'm not a I'm not a curry. It doesn't work. This isn't Nando's. Yeah. There's not an extra spicy lemon and herb version. <laughs> this is not how autism works. We look at levels of support, like we discussed earlier. When we call somebody low functioning, what does it even mean to function? That is an expectation that you have or it's a societal expecta- expectation, but it's also based on a very small snapshot of what you've seen. It entirely ignores a person's potential. If we're talking about somebody being high functioning, we're ignoring their challenges and the support that they require in order to present themselves in this way that you have just perceived yeah. to be high functioning. So we when talk people say about to me, I say,
1: no, I'm high masking. I'm like I am that is it, like. High masking, that is it. High masking. You don't see it. me when I'm having a meltdown. Like.
0: Absolutely not. If you had seen me in the three RQ queue to get into the Harry Styles car park. On Saturday, you would not call me high functioning. OK, you would not, because that was not a normal adult reaction.
1: <laughs> wow. But anyway, I that totally is does I get it, though. Yeah. Cueing uh, yeah. actually is a really hard thing for me to do. It is. It's so unpredictable. Saying? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Sorry, anyway. I'm, so, st- I'm still traumatised. I'm sorry to bring that
1: up. <laughs> so we don't use high functioning, low functioning. So how people always see, seem to feel the need to want to differentiate, though. Well, my son my friend's son now he's autistic but he's very you know like yeah. they want they have to let me know that they perceive this child to be somehow worse or somehow more severe yes. than I am so I don't know why they feel the need to do that um uh, but as humans we do you know someone's yeah. like oh she has cancer what kind of cancer you yes, know we have I to know. know does
0: it matter does it matter yeah. uh
1: how can people, what is the language that would be appropriate for people to use? We talk when about they need... support needs. Okay.
0: So the support they require, not how severely autistic they are. That is not a thing. It's the level of support they require in order to meet their full potential, to participate, to be included, to live a happy life. So for, perhaps for somebody with more complex needs, we'd say they have high support needs. They need a high level of support. Mm-hmm. For somebody who perhaps doesn't experience complex challenges in the same way somebody else might have We'd say they have support needs, but they're lower, perhaps, than other people. They have lower support needs. Everybody has support needs, though. Yeah. So there's not an autistic person who does not have any. But we talk about the level of support, support that they require.
1: And that's back to that level one, two, three. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So if you're listening to this, please don't ever use the phrase high functioning. It's just not correct. Um, OK, so then to finish up, if people are listening to this, what can as I am do? And where can they find it? Is it just a Dublin based thing? Are there things online? I was looking online that there's like a Minecraft.
0: Yeah, there's so many cool groups now. So it's an amazing initiative that we've been able to develop over the last year or so. As part of our community support team, we have our family support team as well, as I just mentioned. We have groups for children, we have groups for teens, we have groups groups for adults. And something we feel quite strongly about is these groups need to be interest based. You wouldn't just go up to a neurotypical person and say here that person the other side of the room, they're neurotypical too you could be best friends now, but for some reason it's expected of us when we're autistic you're both autistic, you'll get along grand no, we need to have common interests so we have groups, like you said, Minecraft we've Mario Kart, we've art, we have creative writing, we have History Club, which I love, I go on all their trips Uh, we went to uh, Glasnevin Graveyard there in April and oh my god The kids were just, they made my day and they actually totally like took over the tour. They knew more than the The tour guides themselves. It was amazing. Um, So there's different interest based groups for adults, for younger children, for teens as well. My own daughter goes to one of the teen groups in Cork. So it it isn't all Dublin based. We did pilot these in Dublin, but they're now around the country. We've Cork, we've Galway. Uh, We're expanding uh, quite quickly. There's also online-based groups, so we acknowledge that not everybody will feel comfortable going into a social setting or travelling or even engaging with people in person if they haven't for a while, so there's online-based groups as well. We even have lunch club uh, for some children who perhaps are not in a school placement at the minute for one reason or another, but still want the opportunity to socialise with their peers, so we have like a, a hangout group online during lunchtime where they get to chat to each other about their day or what they're interested in, what they're doing at the weekend. It's really important for autistic people to have the same chance to do that. Uh, And aside from that, we have our advocacy service. We have uh, we advocate at a policy level for real change. So we're always doing things like that in the background, too. It's not just the the service side of things. And then we have our training and accreditation where we deliver a high volume of training to businesses, organisations, services across the country in how to be more accessible, whether it's from a customer perspective or from an employment perspective. Uh, we have our As I Am ID cards as well, which are incredibly popular because it's a great way of advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, they're based on providing your diagnosis report. So they're they're valid in a number of different countries. They're approved by Autism Europe. You can use them at Disneyland, you can use them at Dublin Zoo. You know, they're they're widely acknowledged and they're a great resource to have. But I would say if you'd like to find out more about what As I Am can offer, just visit our website. We also have an information line, uh, which you will find uh, the details of on the website. We have a web chat if you don't want to phone up. And we have which an email. Phone Same. Yep, so yeah. there's a web chat. We, we know what it's like. We so we thought some like. people are going to want instant message here. Let's do that. Um, And we have our email address if you'd rather just send an email with any further information.
1: Thank you so much. So that is asiam.ie.
0: asiam.ie or supportedasiam.ie and any other details are
1: on the site. Well, thank you so much, Fiona, for telling us all of that. And I hope the podcast has been helpful. It certainly has for me and hopefully people who need to come to it um soon or you might listen to this and you don't have any children and then you find that you do have children in a few years and one of them is autistic and you're like oh that podcast well it'll always be here on the feed <laughs> so thank you for listening to another episode of basically we will be back next week with another episode if you found this helpful please share it send it to a friend leave us a review that's always helpful our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara we are part of the Stuff podcast network see you next week